0: So before we start this episode, um, we'd like to briefly direct our attention to the happenings in Minneapolis recently and the murder of uh, Mr. George Floyd. So in the description, we've put a couple helpful links, um, petitions, as well as a link to the Minnesota Freedom Fund. So if you're listening, please check those out. Thank you, Taylor. Yeah, of course. Do you
1: want to start start the podcast? Maybe we should start the podcast. Yeah. Hi, Taylor. Hello. I was wondering about time. Time? Yeah. Yeah. And you know how it's backwards and forwards and circular and and like in like a flat circle yeah well it's sort of the way that music works this this is the transition right here <laughs> the way that artists and music work is that they evolve over time and they change their music because their audience craves it and I think people who are artistic want to push the boundaries of how they express themselves in their art so mm. I was wondering if you were thinking about uh, a specific artist that changed their sound over time, maybe from their peak to what they're doing these days.
0: Oh, for sure. I think about that a lot because for artists that I really like, I feel that I'm too nostalgic about their what I consider their core sound or their signature sound. And when they have the daring, you know, as an artist to change that sound or to experiment a little bit, I can acknowledge that that's a really admirable thing to do. But in a more childish and naive and primordial part of myself, I'm, I hate it. I hate. I hate change, and I like knowing that someone sounds a certain way. And that's certainly the case with, I think, my favorite band right now, um, Twin Peaks. They've been my favorite band for a while.
1: I didn't know they were your favorite band. Oh, definitely. We both picked our favorite artists for this episode. Really? Shadow, yeah.
0: Oh, nice. We also picked our respective artists' first and last albums, basically. Um, so for this episode, we we each picked our favorite album from an artist, and that artist's most recent album, I guess, to investigate how um, time has acted acted upon these artists. And for Twin Peaks, I picked their their first full length album, Sunken, which came out in twenty thirteen. And then in 2019, in the latter half of 2019, they released an album called Look Out Low. And, you know, you agreed that these two records cannot be any more different. They sound like
1: totally different people. Yeah. When I played them back to back, they sounded like one thing, they sounded like Cage the Elephant. Mm -hmm. And then I switched albums to Look Out Low and. Can you just describe the what what happened between their first album and their second album in twenty nineteen?
0: Yeah, so Sunken is super. There's this grain um, that they put over all of the sound in Sunken. So there's that. Um, it's very, it's like garagey, um, very catchy nonetheless, and I kind of. Uh, considered that a Twin Peaks trademark too is really catchy, melodic music. But it's with this nice, like, punky garage flavor. And Look Out Low is, I feel, more an homage to their uh, most revered artists. Like, in the two albums that come between these albums, you can really hear how they were influenced by classic rock. Um, and you hear that, you know, kind of seeping in into the music, but Look Out Low is, I feel like they've completely let go of all pretenses of being like these young touring um, rock dudes and just like nerded out over their favorite music. That's, that's how I see it. Um, I'm interested in your experience, listening listening to these
1: these albums. I was on a bike ride listening to this album and I, I bought these albums and I put the first one on. I went by so fast. I thought when it ended, Oh, it's over. That was like a, a punk album that lasted like 30 minutes. That was, that was cool. It sounded like KJ elephant had some cool electronic effects in it. And then I put a twin, the, the second album on and Casey's groove comes on and kind of like jazzier. kind of jazzy at at first and totally clean sounding and then it and then we'll have to you'll have to remind me of the guitarist name but he starts doing a Jerry Garcia solo and I said what is this
0: I not determine which guitarist it is.
1: It must have been Jerry, because it's like just totally like a, a dancing, floating, like la-di-da guitar solo, kind of. Yeah. Not very punk at all.
0: Yeah. When you when you describe the second album as clean, or, or, the, or Casey's groove as clean, I think that applies for the whole album. It's very much you can discern this, this um, influence here and um, another influence in this song, you know? And um, I think a signature of Sunken is that, is that grain, you can't hear their vocals very well. It's like we were talking about last episode, the value of the vocals sometimes is the feeling rather than what they're actually saying. Whereas I think they put more, Emphasis on um, coherent songwriting in the second album. I really value your opinion, though. You're like the the control group, I guess, because I think as a fan, especially as a fan so opposed to change as I am, and I I, I would guess a lot of their fans are, um, didn't like this album as much as the last three. Um, and Pitchfork, I was looking at the Pitchfork review, and they didn't like it at all. They said it was boring. And-
1: the miscellaneous news don't appreciate Pitchfork that much.
0: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that's kind of I, again at this base level, I would like to listen to their more driving music, but I think this this doesn't feel forced to me. Is the is the difference, you know?
1: They sound like they they got really into into The Grateful Dead and Crosby Stills and Nash and yeah. were like what a great sounding album.
0: Exactly. And here's another case. I saw them live in December a couple months after this newest album came out. And they they sang a few songs like even slower ones like Fairy Song um, and Under a Smile. Were they were fantastic live. They were fantastic live, much better live than they were than the studio version. And I'm not saying the studio version is bad, but I think that's a testament to how good they are live and how energetic they are, um, and the the quality of their live performance. It's just amazing. Like somehow they made these kind of classic rock homages like
1: bangers yeah. live and i don't know how they do it but they're they're really great well you'd expect that from like a punk band to be really loud mm-hmm. live but it wouldn't surprise me um that they were that this album sounded better live because i was I do you know the band dispatch no they're this like 90s band the general is a really big camp song mm-hmm. um it looked like out loud just total campfire songs mm-hmm. and Uh, I I went to see them at a music festival last summer. Shout out to Sophie, if she's listening, probably not. Anyway, so Dispatch is playing there and I'm expecting, they're the last show and I'm expecting this very mellow campfire sing-along thing and they're super loud. They come out with these weird guitars and they're totally loud, we're in the front row and they blow the place up and uh, their, their rendition of the general was crazy and electric and, and a little jam bandy e and it was awesome so I, I'm, I'm not surprised that Twin Peaks sounded like this live mm-hmm. um, but they have like a penchant for noise I guess with their first album too.
0: Yeah, totally. And they sang Oh Mama too which was by far the best one best live song from this album, um, everything's pretty low tempo, and they don't they don't ostensibly change the songs either. Like, it's not like they take this more acoustic song and um, play a rendition of it on on the electric guitar. It's like they keep the song pretty much the same. It's just I don't know. It's, I feel like it's something about their energy, something about the volume. Also, my first time in a mosh pit, so. It's, it holds a special place in my heart you know
1: and you live to tell the story
0: yeah yeah lost my jacket
1: though <laughs> I lost my jacket but it's fine if you kept your jacket you probably weren't in a mosh pit
0: yeah yeah exactly I was looking for it afterwards too and it was nowhere to be seen it's like it just evaporated but I, I need to remind myself that I should be open to experimentation you know, people would be criticizing them for not experimenting and for staying with, um, for lack of a better word, a formula if they, if they, you know, didn't waver from what they're comfortable with, I guess. But people, I think, are too, um, are too quick to criticize change, too, from artists.
1: And I think it works out. There's a song, Dance Through It, which I really liked. And it, it couldn't be more different from their earlier stuff, their earlier punk stuff. And it kind of just shows that, you know, sometimes evolution pays off in a, in a cool way when you experiment mm-hmm. with other genres and sounds.
0: so I feel like they're tired and they don't want to do these, you know, jam, jammy songs, you know, they've been touring for a year. And in this recent interview they did, they talked about how that's their main source of income just because like after, you know, with the advent of streaming, an artist's revenue from their music itself is pretty contingent on their popularity um, you're not getting, you know, a dollar and 30 cents for each song. So the, the the amount of money you get, um, depends on how many listeners you have. So we're talking about like the greatest era of indie, um, indie pop, I guess in the early two thousands when iTunes was still a thing. And I, I think that's part of it, you know, um, the platform through which you sold your music is, um, it's better for small artists
1: right and i think that's interesting how evolution kind of prompts smaller bands to change their sound i picked an artist that does not need help hasn't needed help in 60 years no 55 years i picked two albums by paul simon my favorite artist uh the first first album i picked is Paul Simon's first album out of Simon & Garfunkel. I'm gonna be honest, it's got some amazingly good bangers. <laughs> and they're all acoustic and jazzy. Not so much jazzy, but they, they are definitely slowed down. It's, it's pop music, for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to compare that to the second album I picked, which is In the Blue Light, which is an album he released in 2018. There's no original songs on this, it's all covers of his previous stuff and the kind of the pop name sort of comes out i'm curious to hear about what you thought what your control group reaction was mm-hmm. to these problems
0: so before um we filmed this episode i accidentally listened to his 1965 uh paul simon song book release which <laughs> contains a few songs that he did um from simon and garfunkel and even, I really enjoyed that, but approaching Paula Simon's old stuff, um, I, that's what I expected from him is pretty stripped back, um, gracefully done acoustic songs. And then I listened to his, um, self-titled album from the seventies and it surprised me with how different it was. um, you could You could tell that this was a solo adventure just because there's much more instrumental experimentation, I think. Um, and I really enjoyed that part of it. And I feel like listening to in the blue light, that's like the the summit of that instrumental experimentation. It sounds really it was weird, it was weird.
1: Yeah. It's a weird album. There's some weird songs on here. Yeah. Uh, Can not run butt is a super weird. Makes you when I heard I I saw him I'll go to this later maybe, but I saw him live and it was the first time I heard the song and it was strange.
0: Did he have the like the piccolo and the, yeah. and like clar- did he have like piccolo players
1: with him? It sounded I'm not sure. It sounded weird weird on the album and it sounded weird live.
0: Interesting. I in my notes I described it as psychedelic. Yeah, in a weird way, it's very like hypnotizing. I can't run, but I can walk much faster than this. Can't run, but I can't run, but I can walk much faster than this. Can't run, but a cooling system. Burns
1: out in the Ukraine. I'm curious to know what uh, songs stuck out from one or two songs that stuck out from both of these albums. Um, for In the Blue Light, definitely Can Run, but
0: I I felt like I was dreaming or in, in a weird um, middle consciousness state between sleep and awake. And I really admire um, anyone's ability to create an atmosphere with with like sounds I think that's absolutely sick um, from the self-titled album I in my notes I have I have written um, in run that body down the part where it just changes it's so it's so subtle but it's it has a huge impact there's a part where the song just shifts. It's very, it's very subtle. It's a very subtle change. And then he puts in like guitar with, with wall pedal at the end and it just kind of tops it off.
1: And, and the, you know, those are called like, a lot of companies that are like crybaby wall pedals. Yeah. Cause it sound like a cry, a child crying, but it, you totally, they come in and they totally sound like a, a an old Paul Simon convention about something. About his- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It, it's just perfect. I liked, um, I liked Papa Hobo too. Yeah. I don't know what the, uh, what the instrument was.
1: Some yeah. kind of horn. It, yeah, it's like a, I don't even know how to, it sounds like a, something you'd like, you know the circus song? Yeah. yeah. It sounds like that instrument. Yeah. Really low, funky sound. Yeah, and both of those songs, they're kind of both what I like about Paul Simon both lyrically and musically run that body down. It's very self-reflective. It's, it's incredibly intimate. He's talking about with these different people, his wife, how they, they don't gather anymore. They're older. They're dealing with changing lifestyles and keep in mind, Paul Simon is maybe in his late twenties when he writes this, he's always kind of had this forward looking, um, vision sort of like what he wrote on old friends on the album bookends with simon and garfunkel and so that that sort of like really thoughtful songwriting comes through and then on paranoia blues he shows this or papa papa hobo right yeah he he has his penchant for just being super odd with his songwriting like detroit detroit got a hell of a hockey team like but that's so random, such a random line. It's that intimacy and honesty paired with the quirkiness that totally gets me with Paul Simon.
0: Yeah. I can't, I can't cite certain artists, but there are a lot of artists that are considered alternative rock or indie or indie pop that make really nonsensical lyrics sounds super catchy and conform to the song and i feel like he was one of the pioneers of that Um, mixing these kind of bizarre random uh, lines with very self-reflective and profound ones and something i really like about him is is that you can tell that the words came first and the melody and the rhythm that he imposes on them later conforms to the lyrics if that makes sense like his lyrics kind of spill over all of the music and um the way he delivers them you can like in you know some songs you can tell that you know the melody and like the bare um instrumentation and the way it sounds comes first and then you put you make lyrics to conform to that. Whereas it's just like he adapted a song to the words.
1: That's interesting that you point that out because he gets compared. He's my favorite songwriter, lyrics and music. And he gets compared a lot to some of his contemporaries, like Bob Dylan and Neil Young and Joni Mitchell. Mm -hmm. But he's, he's not held in that same category. I don't feel like in popular music lore what distinguishes him from these people. I think because Bob Dylan and Neil Young, their music is not perfect. They both have those weird voices and Paul Simon has a really nice voice. And more than that, a lot of what the qualities that make Neil Young and Bob Dylan sound, stand out is the unvarnished sound. Mm-hmm. It's, it's It's about the emotion that they put through playing the instrument and the words they're saying, especially with Bob Dylan. And with Paul Simon, it's totally just pop music. Mm. It's not folk, really. It's not jazz. It's not like folk rock, even though some of their stuff is. It's really perfectly designed and thought through pop music.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you can tell in addition to songwriting, he has this... Uh, you know, as evidenced in his most recent album, he's like he's he's a nerd about instruments too. Like you can tell, he puts a lot of thought in uh, in layering and instrumental stuff like that. I was wondering, as as a huge fan of his, what you think about his evolution? Because I I've never I haven't listened to Paul Simon that much. I like his album from the eighties. I like Graceland a lot, but other than that, I haven't listened to his really new stuff or his really old stuff very much, except the famous ones. And I'm looking at this kind of from a third party perspective, I can really increase my respect for him as an artist, just because um, as a popular artist, he has the, the daring to make weird stuff, um, make stuff that he probably knows won't be like super commercially successful, but things that nevertheless you could tell he um, really believes in and he, he has an interest in. Um, so I respect him more for the change, but what, what do you think as more of a fan?
1: Yeah, that's kind of the lore in the, I mean, even the controversy of Paul Simon. It's where he gets his influences from. There's a song on In the Blue Light, that my favorite song on the record called, let me try to get this right, Renee and George M. Magritte with their dog after the war. <laughs> yeah. Where at the house of the psychedelic painter uh, that I can't say again because it's just too hard of a song to say. Renee and George M. Magritte with their dog after the war. Okay, so he talks about, um, in the song he mentions the penguins, the moon glows, those are all Motown groups Mm -hmm. and that those inspired him. He's inspired by the Everly brothers and then he's a full pop star in the sixties and seventies. And then Graceland, which is, yeah, his his, definitely his biggest album Mm -hmm. is totally different. It's informed by and played by on the record, South African musicians. And that was, definitely controversial. I think there's an argument to be made that it's appropriative in some ways, although he did have African musicians in his band and still does. Again, I have too much skin in this game. (laughs) I'm going to defend him. Um, But, and then on Rhythm of the Saints, there's Latin influences and there's jazz influences in his work. So I think it's amazing that he can take those sounds and... He has the wherewithal to make something that sounds really good. Like Graceland is an amazing album.
0: Yeah, I know people um, present that same, a similar argument with the Talking Heads, but uh, I feel like the Talking Heads kind of established themselves, and um, David Byrne established themselves as we- weird, we're weird, you know, like that's their brand from the beginning. Whereas Paul Simon you said was a pop star so yeah i think that's cool that he um, incorporated these influences in pop music
1: i mean it's not like he introduced like african music to the united states but (laughs) those guitars graceland is the most popular song where those influences are featured yeah so it's it's an interesting thing to think about yeah Uh, sure
0: which one do you enjoy more the, first one, Paul Simon.
1: the old stuff the the self-titled album for sure yeah what did you think of the song duncan sad
0: <laughs> sad yeah. i noted um as as the most emotionally effective ones duncan and from the first album i know this doesn't count but the um a Most Peculiar Man, from the, the very first one. He was a most peculiar man.
1: He lived all alone, within a house, within a room, within himself.
0: Most peculiar man. And how he doesn't change his tone when he tackles this really heavy sound or heavy subject matter is makes it all the more emotional. I think it's also very admirable that he um, maintains his his status as Famous guy, while changing so much, like you can still you, for the most part you can still think of Paul Simon and have this very solid image in your head at least of at least um one that revolves around his fame, but his his discography is so it's it's all over the place um and I think that attests to. I think his enduring fame attests to his skill as um, as an artist.
1: Yeah. Well, how do you compare these two artists? Because it took Paul Simon, I guess, he's, we, these are albums from 50 years apart, mm-hmm. but um, Twin Peaks is just six or seven years. Mm-hmm. But Twin Peaks, I think they make the bigger change.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There, this shift um, in Twin Peaks with the last album still—I don't hate it, but it still baffles me because the first three are—you can hear them and say more or less, "Oh yeah, these are these are these guys." Um, and you can hear some of the second and third full-length albums in Lookout Low, like you can hear them incorporating like piano. And and again, it's very catchy and melodic, like things you can listen to in the kitchen. Yeah. Look out low totally baffles me. I think they were just like, screw it. Like we want to do something that, not that they don't enjoy their higher energy stuff, but truly, I think they're, um, a little bit tired of, of doing that and want to experiment, um, trying to do more classic um, rock-inspired,
1: slower-tempo songs live. What do you think they're trying to do with the song Sunken 2, the last song on on the new album? I think they're trying to reach, they're trying to
0: solidify this album's role as... Kind of laid back, more serene than the other ones. It's like this very nice instrumental, um, kind of diminishing close to the album. And they've had they've had some, some of that in the past, but it's just this this album all of its all of its tracks including this one are a lot more rooted in what sounds like instruments that surround you whereas other songs in their discography that are um that don't have a lot of vocals like this one there's this kind of remove from the listener it has like a grain over it or it just doesn't sound like it doesn't have that rawness of a lot of classic rock songs. Um and I think they were kind of putting that um classic rock veneer over an instrument heavy song with Sunken too.
1: Yeah. That's interesting because usually with groups they start out with that well-produced sound or the sound that fits in and that's how they blow up. And then they kind of disrupt their sound with Something less produced, mm-hmm. and they do the opposite here. Yeah,
0: I do anticipate in the future that they're going to go back to something more akin to their first three albums. I really do. I just think this is like an experiment.
1: A punk freakout, or like
0: an anti-punk freakout. Yeah, some yeah something something like that, or something that
1: merges the two. Well, it's funny because punk music was sort of invented because they got tired of putting freaking saxophones in rock songs. And that's exactly what they do in the new album. They just they put saxophones in it. <laughs> yeah. You can hear
0: this tendency to um, want to put these little jangly pianos and saxophones and stuff in their in their older music too. But I think this is like they've completely let go and they just want to, you know, they just want to, like, listen to instruments, I feel like this, what
1: this album is about. Man, let's just go to a barbecue. Yeah. Not yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then with uh, In the Blue Light, mm-hmm. it's the almost some, I think, Paul Simon goes, uh, the songs, I Can't Run But, Rene and Georgette, After the War, he goes, these songs aren't perfect enough, and goes back into the studio 20, 30, 40 years later, and re-records them. I think this is such a good indication. Like,
0: It really demonstrates this phenomenon of really legendary artists releasing stuff in the twilight of their careers. Like David Bowie's newest album you can hear how they have matured as a knower of music rather than like the artist that they were before you know like you can tell in in this most recent album that he has increased his
1: his knowledge about music that makes me think of that Leonard Cohen poem i am the kanye west of kanye west <laughs> What is the thesis? Oh man, it's it's some gold. Uh, Leonard Cohen, right before he died, published a book of poetry. And one of the poems was about Kanye West. Uh, Kanye West is not Picasso. I am Picasso. Kanye West is not Edison. I am Edison. I am Tesla. Jay-Z is not the Dylan of anything. I am the Dylan of anything. I am the Kanye West of Kanye West, the Kanye West of the great bogus shift of bullshit culture. (laughs) I'm Tesla. I'm Coil. <laughs> uh,
0: I think. I think if I was a really famous artist, I would not release anything after being old and out of commission for. It. I'm not saying that Paul Simon has been out of commission, but I would be so scared to write and produce new stuff because of the criticism that you will get. Like, of course, it, you will receive comparisons to, you know, your old stuff. Um, so I think it's it's very ballsy for, for him not only to just release it, but to experiment so heavily.
1: Yeah, so that Twin Peaks album, Sunken, that was their most commercially successful album, right? Or critically acclaimed album. I don't know, actually. I wonder what, well, it was successful. I wonder what they were reacting to yeah. when they decided to go in a different direction.
0: Yeah. I think um, they're kind of announcing that we've matured because they, their most popular songs. I think a lot of people love them for, they don't think too hard about their songs. They're very simple for the most part, but still very unique and um, but still easy to listen to. And I think they could have kept making stuff like that, um, just because I think they're very melodically talented and good at innovating, um, that kind of thing. But they're kind of they kind of broke in from that trend and I think this is them announcing that like we we're in control, like we can do we can do whatever we want and we can kind of experiment if we want to.
1: Rebellion has doubts.
0: Yeah. But in conclusion, Um, I guess, you know, even though, however much it hurts me as a fan of their old stuff, which I will always love the most and probably too much. Um, I guess we've come to the conclusion that, that time is good and time increases your knowledge as an artist.
1: Yeah. Or time just affects different artists differently. Mm. Some artists want to radically change. Some artists want to perfect what they had going in the first place. I feel like
0: when someone, again, I don't have I don't have empirical evidence, but I think that when someone tries to when when someone has been an artist for decades and decades and decades, and they try to mimic what made them successful in the first place, it just sounds like a weird version of the initially successful thing
1: yeah you have to change your sound because all you sound is old yeah exactly should we do our pitches sure you go first okay um there's really two really amazing songs on in the blue light one man's ceiling is another man's floor <sighs> which is not exactly what it sounds like it's about rent and paying rent and guess what it's a metaphor <laughs> and Renee and George Magritte with their dog after the war is a beautiful song when I saw him live in September of 2018 that was the song that made me cry <laughs> not any of his classics that I probably burned through so many playlists but that was amazing to see my musical idol kind of fade away but at the start of all that is the self-titled album Paul Simon which if you want to get a sense of who he is as a songwriter i think it's his best album of songwriting there's just totally a breadth of subjects and and characters and and explorations he he takes on on this album and it's very groovy and sweet and listen to it on a car ride because that's when i first listened to it
0: yeah his voice is so sweet I think Twin Peaks is the best band in rock and roll today. Whoa. <laughs> I, really, I really do. I think a lot of people would agree as well. Um, they are very raw and simple in their intentions, and it reflects in the music. They are bringing no uh, ulterior motives to the music no money making motives to the music and you can tell it's very simple melodic very sad or very uplifting stuff and it's very timely too i think to listen to this as as an adolescent or as someone coming out of adolescence um and please if you listen to twin peaks and if you like their stuff Try to go to a live show whenever you can. They're touring all the time. They've toured constantly for 10 years. So please catch a show if you can because you will not regret it. It's They're amazing. Rock on. Rock on. <laughs>